If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or go online to MyGreenSolution.com. Whatever way you choose to shop, you can use the TGS Express checkout as well. Just make sure that you use code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies, and on this episode, we are going to continue our series of reviews, look-backs, look-forwards, and look-ons at each one. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to do each member of uh, the Colorado Rockies who got Major League playing time this last season. There's going to be a few who probably didn't do enough that it would be worth going back over, as I've done so far with John Gray, who we heard from on that podcast, and Rymal Tapia. I'm going to go over to the other side of the coin a bit and discuss a player who had a much less successful season this year, somebody who right now is, quite frankly, just someone Rockies fans are very, 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 very frustrated with and would be just as happy if he walked away and never played another game in purple. But I think with a deep dive today, uh, we're, we're going to get an interesting look here at Wade Davis. Davis just turned 34, so while he is 34 now, he will be playing the 2020 season in his age 34 season. He was originally drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays in 2004 in the third round, 
and he made his major league debut at the age of 23 in the year 2009 for the Rays, and interestingly enough, pitched the first couple of seasons decently, but not uh, extraordinarily well, uh, but he... Uh, was, uh, let's see, the ERA is at 372, 407, and 445 in that time. And he was uh, starting. He was picking up some starting time. But uh, they moved him into a relief role the next season, got much, much better work out of him to a 243 ERA in his age 26 season. So I think this is interesting. You know, we look at a lot of guys on the Rockies, Right now, of course, Scott Oberg went down a, a similar path to this. You So, you know, a 4.45 ERA for Davis at age 25, uh, again, as a starter, so it's not a direct comparison, but there are a lot of guys, well, maybe more to somebody like a, a stuff-wise, let's not get overly complicated here and talk about Chichi Gonzalez or Tim Melville you know, there, there aren't any direct comparisons here. If you want to look more at age, it's going to be Yency Almonte, Carlos Estevez, uh, these other guys, uh, Jairo Diaz, who are a little bit more of late bloomers. Of course, most of those guys have been relievers or were converted a bit earlier, but still, once Davis was converted, he had uh, his best season of his career by far, at age 26, just a reminder of sometimes how long it can take guys to really get into their own. And then he took a big step back, had the worst season of his career after moving back into a starting role. He was traded to Kansas City uh, between there at the age of 27. His first year in Kansas City put up a 532 ERA. So again, Really, really rough stuff. It was an interesting trade, actually. It ended up sending uh, Mike Montgomery, Will Myers, and Jake Odorizzi to the Tampa Bay Rays. So they got a pretty decent haul out of it. But, of course, uh, the Kansas City Royals, even though he had a terrible uh, first season with them, would end up getting quite a bit out of that deal as well as over his next one, two, three well, three seasons in Kansas City, so let's leave it at that. Uh, he was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. In fact, he ended up in top 10 in Cy Young voting twice each of the next two years. Uh, the Kansas City Royals went to back-to-back uh, -to -back World Series and ended up winning one of those. Of course, as you'll remember, there's some interesting uh, crossovers here, too. In Tampa Bay, he was a teammate with Jake McGee in Kansas City. He was obviously teammates with Greg Holland. Uh, who pitched for the Rockies the year before they picked up Wade Davis. But in Kansas City, Davis was absolutely insane. Uh, that first season, he pitched 72 innings to a 1.00 ERA. Just ridiculous stuff. The next year somehow was even better. A sub-1 ERA, 0.94 over 67 innings pitched. Absolutely ridiculous stuff. He gave up just seven earned runs all year in 2015 his age 29 season for the royals just phenomenal stuff he came in sixth in cy young voting in fact believe it or not wade davis came in 28th in most valuable player voting in 2015 so this guy has mvp votes on his resume uh, just an absolutely insane year 
for Davis that year. And then the next season at age 30, again, phenomenal, a 187 ERA, uh, but he wasn't quite as healthy that year. Only 43 innings picked up, uh, but he was an all-star. Uh, that first season that I, I mentioned where he was phenomenal in Kansas City, he wasn't, but each of these next three years, and then the first one in Chicago with the Cubs, he was traded uh, for Jorge Soler to the Chicago Cubs and ended up pitching 58 innings for them to a 2.30 ERA. So the ERA came up a little bit, but that's still dominant, dominant stuff. That stretch of four years made Davis one of the absolute best relievers in the game during that time, probably in the top five if you pulled all the numbers for all the guys over those five years. He was one of the five best uh, relievers in the game, depending on how you feel, I guess, about saves and, uh, you know, getting the final outs. He had only been a primary closer for some of that 2015 season. Uh, he was the primary closer for the Royals in 2016, and he picked up the final out of the World Series uh, when the Chicago Cubs won it in 2017 that's a big deal obviously and he got 32 saves that season for the cubs which was a career high that was really the first time he had come into the year as the presumed closer because uh, the royals had other people i had mentioned holland uh, who had been their closers and so it wasn't really until that year in chicago at age 31 oddly enough that that was his presumed role then he finally hit free agency and got the big money you know it is uh, interesting and I, I know it's obviously going to be just super frustrating for rockies fans but it it is the case that he had been really underpaid at each of these other stops uh, he only made over a million dollars once in tampa in kansas city and we just ran over the numbers he made 2.8 million then 4.8 million then 7 million then $8 million, and then $10 million in Chicago to be one of the best relievers in baseball. So he got paid each, underpaid each of those years. But then he did finally get the big contract with the Colorado Rockies. And year one, it's easy to forget, actually went at least pretty well. Again, it can depend on the context you look at it. If, if you do care about getting the final three outs of the game, and I think you've got to care about that to at least... Uh, some extent it was the best season of his career uh, kind of by far he got 43 saves topping his career high of 32 from the year before he led the national league in saves and he set the colorado rockies franchise record in saves now he did have some pretty pronounced blow-ups as you all recall in that 2018 season he Ended up with a 413 ERA, so that was a, a far cry from the 230 ERA. In fact, in order to get to a 413 ERA that he put up uh, last year, uh, 2018, for the Rockies, you'd have to combine like all of his time relieving in Kansas City and Chicago to get to a 413 ERA, like four years combined, just adding them up. And, and so, in some ways, yeah, that was disappointing. He, as I mentioned, there were several games he just outright lost uh, on his own. 
most notably in Texas. There's one in Milwaukee near the end of the year, and it looked like he was really kind of hitting it. He didn't finish the season strong in his uh, one appearance in the NLDS, unless he made another one. The one appearance that I can remember, he got absolutely shell-shocked as well and ended up pretty much putting that game out of reach for any kind of comeback attempt for the Rockies. And, you know, that is frustrating as some of that stuff was in 2018. You're still looking at a body of work for a guy who at that point had put up, you know, about 900 innings of Major League Baseball and shown that he could get big outs in the biggest, biggest of games. There's nothing like picking up the, the you know, breaking a, a franchise drought like they did in Chicago or being – they had some pretty big droughts there in Kansas City as well. He was a part of some fantastic teams. He pitched extraordinarily well in some of those postseasons. I, I didn't even go over his postseason numbers. In fact, I should bring some of those up because they're worth – remembering before we get into what he did this year and the situation the Rockies are in with him moving forward. But for the record, uh, he's pitched 40 innings of postseason baseball to a 180 ERA, and that includes him having an infinity ERA last year for the Rockies. He didn't end up getting any outs. So, yeah, I'm glad I double-checked this. I was talking about it a second ago. He gave up two earned runs and did not record an out in that final game of uh, the NLDS. But before that, it had been absolutely extraordinary, uh, including where was the one? Yeah, he went a couple of years there where he didn't give up any runs in the postseason. Uh, 5-10... 14 straight postseason innings, uh, 16, 18 straight postseason innings without giving up. Oh, no, 20. It looks like he went 20 straight postseason innings with the Kansas City Royals without giving up a single earned run. And so he obviously can do it, and part of you has to look at that and go, well, okay, there's mental capacity there. This guy isn't scared by the moment. So while I think there may be a mental component to what happened to him this season, in fact, I think he's even come out and said that. There was a really good article recently from Thomas Harding, and they talked about some mechanical adjustments that he wants to make and you know some philosophical adjustments. And I, I do think there were some things, that, especially at Coors Field, and that can happen to anybody, uh, not the – the general Coors Field stuff that we all know. But anytime you pitch or play particularly poorly in one place, it, it just starts to become a thing. You know it. Everybody knows it. People are asking you about it. Everyone's talking about it. You're thinking about it. It becomes a thing. He was terrible at Coors Field this last season. And in general, he was just really not good. An 865 ERA, that's twice as high as his career high before that, over 42.2 innings pitched. Uh, he, he only managed to pick up 15 saves, ended up losing the closer job to Scott Oberg. And I, and I think he 
uh, continues to have lost it. Does that is that a sentence that makes sense? Um, I've been over that before, but I, I I think Wade Davis is going to have to earn his way back into a closer's role. But it was worth going over all of that again so that everybody understands why that is the case. We tend to be what-have-you-done-for-me-lately creatures. Recency bias is, in my opinion, the most prevalent in all of sports. It's not homerism, and it's not haterade, and it's not um, pro-umpire or anti-umpire or any of that stuff. I think it's recency bias. We tend to believe what is most viscerally real right now. And what is most viscerally real right now about Wade Davis is that he was not a good pitcher in 2019. In fact, he was, in no uncertain terms, a disaster. He was one of the primary reasons that the Colorado Rockies season fell apart. In fact, if asked to rank them, and I'm going to do this very soon, I would probably say that he alone was in the top five, that his implosion this year was one of the top five reasons the Rockies' season fell apart. But I can know that and also recognize that a guy at 34 years old with the kind of experience, and not only the experience in terms of his success, but also the failures that he's had in his career and bounced back from and learned from and figured things out and come back better the next season. So if the Rockies can't find a trade partner for Wade Davis, and I do think that they should explore that, and I'll talk about that in a minute, I think it's very reasonable to have hope that he could have a bounce-back season. Now, you don't run too far with that if you're the organization, but if you as a fan or anybody writing or if we're just trying to be honest about the possibility, who's got the ceiling, who's got the floor, where are they at at this point in their careers, you have to see 2019 as this massive outlier right now, and he may be on the downward trajectory in his career. But you don't expect something like that. And so we'll jump into a little bit more of the details here on the contract situation and what the Rockies should look at doing with Wade Davis moving forward after a quick break. Okay, who wants to make some money? Everyone. Everyone wants to make money. Well, here's the easiest way you can add a few bucks to the wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save on time and fees when you book. Or you can share your car and earn to park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for a break and perfect for extended travel like a, a semester abroad. All state insurance covers your car every trip and Drift cleans it inside and out. That's right. 
Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon arrival. Get all the info on drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. All right, welcome back into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Just sitting here drinking a couple of Breckenridge brews. Actually, having the Colorado Core. It's Colorado Core Day. That's what the fridge is stocked with now. Uh, perfect for a snowy day outside. Uh, really does go nicely with any kind of weather. It's damn good beer. You know it. The official beer of DNVR. And I'm thinking about all of this Wade Davis stuff. He's on the hook, if I may use that phrase. The Rockies are on the hook. He is owed $17 million for the 2020 season. But it is the final year of his contract. And as the old saying goes, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. Well, the Rockies are going to find out because I've got to suspect there are some GMs out there who know everything that I said in the first segment about Wade Davis. Uh, People that can look at numbers might even look into the splits and say, you know, he was much, much better out on the road than he was at Coors Field. So maybe if we just take him away from Coors Field, and the Rockies might be desperate, so they're not going to demand we take the whole contract. We'll take half of it, or maybe we'll only take a third of the contract, and we'll only give him a C-level reliever prospect, and we'll call it good. That still may end up being an interesting potential deal for the Rockies. But if they said no to something like that and then come back next year and start Davis off in a sixth-inning role or a seventh-inning role and he starts to get a little better bite on the cutter or a little more command over the breaking stuff in the altitude, he's developed a new pitch maybe, reassessed how he's going to approach some games, whatever the adjustment may be. He uses his 943.1 innings of baseball experience at the highest level in the land and figures something out. Now, he may just be done. At 34, you know, it, it, it does happen to some guys. It can happen to relievers for sure. But he's not... 37, 38, I don't think he's done, Dunzo. Even based on some of the velocity and torque he still gets on his pitches. I mean, the stuff is still there. And it's still some of the filthiest, nastiest stuff of anybody. I talk to hitters, mostly Rockies hitters, but we talk to hitters in both clubhouses and We ask him about the stuff. Now, of course, this doesn't take into account Davis's biggest issue, which is command. Walks too many guys, lets too many guys back into counts, misses over the heart of the plate too often, especially in the worst possible situation. But when he locates at all, It's just wicked, nasty, gnarly movement on all of it. The knuckle curve, 
the cutter, the fastball's got deceptive movement. He's a really quality, if you just break it down in terms of velocity and spin rate, pitcher. In fact, he's probably the best of, oh, no, uh, Marquez, maybe Gray. See, Gray, the long pause there, Gray is still, as he had talked about on his episode of this series we're doing, is still trying to get that slider fully back. When John Gray has his good slider right, um, his stuff, because of the power of the fastball and the slider, the the curveball changeup play well enough. But Davis has arguably four-plus pitches in terms of just stuff. The splitter, the cutter, the knuckle curve, and the fastball are all really good pitches. But the problem is when he doesn't locate them at all, guys can just stand there and look at stuff, just wait for him to make a mistake right over the middle of the plate, zero in on that, and then, you know, bombs away. And that's exactly what happened to him this season. He's got to figure out a way to get back to the edges. But if he does, you know, the Rockies are going to want to have him around. And I think he could work his way back into, at the very least, a setup role. The ideal situation would be Scott Oberg really does cement himself in there as the closer. He's putting up numbers you can rely on. He's being dominant with some stuff. And then Davis could wake, work his way back into a setup role where I think he would be, he could be extraordinarily valuable. There's still a lot of question marks about Jairo Diaz as much as I love the way he finished the year and Carlos Estevez. And so while the Rockies are out there looking for bullpen help, they can't afford to be letting somebody with this resume walk away for absolutely nothing. If they can get out from half the contract and get a decent looking young guy who could be a reclamation project, then yeah, you do that if you've got an idea on how to spend the money because it was a rough year and maybe he is done so. But I don't know. I've said it before. Of the three guys who were really problematic this year, McGee, Shaw, Davis, I really think that Davis is the one with the most potential to bounce back. And now remember, this is true of all of them. Well, depending on... Well, no, this is true of all of them. I was going to say depending on Shaw's option, but they're all playing for their next contract this season. Shaw to get that option picked up, or if it doesn't get picked up, then his next contract. And McGee and Davis, if if they're on the roster, they're playing for their next contract across all of sports. That just always seems to bring out the best in guys. That's all the incentive in the world, because if any of them have really bad seasons again, the Rockies can't get rid of them, and they go out there and they look terrible, they could be done. That could be it. And I promise you this, none of those guys want that to be the case. Uh, They're all trying to get a couple more years out of this thing. And Davis is somebody that I think could. So he could be packed. But but for example, where you might consider, uh, we've talked about this, like including a a Hampson or a Tapia for somebody to take all of Brian Shaw's contract and maybe get a slightly uh, decent reliever. prospect in exchange, you know, yeah, you, you might have to throw in a Hampson or a Tapia or a whatever to make that a done deal for somebody, but I wouldn't do that for Davis. I wouldn't just give somebody a decent player that you like to take Wade Davis away from you 
That's going to look really terrible if both of those players end up looking good. Davis does have a bounce back year and and shows that, you know, he can still be that guy who can be really dominant and and can pick up the big innings, the the high pressure innings and be the same guy that he is anywhere else. And so it's going to be a very interesting year, but uh, off season, I meant to say, to see how much the Rockies really do shop him, if there's any kind of interest out there for him. I'm not sure how much there will be. And in that case, I think it could end up being sort of a blessing in disguise if they're still quote-unquote stuck with Wade Davis when spring training 2020 starts. If it was up to me, you know, I'd be shopping the other two really, really hard. And if you can't get anything for them, strongly considering just letting them both walk. But there's no way I do that with Wade Davis. There there would be zero chance I would pay him the $17 million just to go away. Where the other two, uh, I've said many times before, no one's going to fault you if you just say, you know, uh, Jake, Brian, it's been, well, it, well, it's been. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you later. We'll see you next time. Uh, we're just not going to be seeing you out of the bullpen this season. But, you know, if they did that, I don't think a single person out there would be down on them. If they did it with Davis, I don't think too many people would be. But I think it would be a bad move. Uh, I, I think you got to see how he comes out in spring training next year because there's still a ton of potential for him to be an asset for the Rockies' bullpen. And they need assets in their bullpen. Um, this guy, for most of his career, has been, even for half of his career in Colorado, has been an extraordinary asset. So I, I think it's worth giving him another shot, especially because you do have another guy who can be your closer. You don't have to guarantee him any kind of role. You know, Do you think Wade Davis can be one of your top eight relievers? Probably. He would be one of any team's top eight relievers if you're thinking about it going into next season. If you're really trying to be fair about not weighing too much the recency bias, but looking at the overall picture, thinking this is a guy that might be able to figure some things out. I'm going to take one more quick little break, come back on the other side and wrap this thing up. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete 
Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Welcome back into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. I hope you guys are enjoying these individual episodes. Let me know if this is valuable, a valuable use of your time listening into these as I kind of do the retrospectives of their whole career and take a look at what they've done most recently and then project into next season. And then if you are enjoying it, let me know who you'd most like to see uh, me go over next. I'd be very interested in seeing you know, how deep this runs. Would you prefer I just do kind of the main starters, the the main, the key players for this season and, and for next season? Or do you really want to see if I can get 30 minutes out of talking about DJ Johnson? Probably not DJ Johnson. You know, uh, uh, who are some of the James Pazos? Like, I could maybe try to, I, I'd have to have Patrick on to get 30 minutes, I think, of a, a James Pazos episode. But let me know, you know, how, how deep you'd like to see this run and, and how what you'd like to hear next. Uh, remember, too, that we are having that competition over at DNVR to see who can get the most subscriptions. I know a lot of you just already subscribed. I get that question all the time. Look, man, I would, but... I already do it, and I just I just have to say thank you, and unless it's time to renew, there's not a whole lot you can do to help out, but we always appreciate it. We just, of course, we need to grow the family. You know how it works. We're doing everything that we can. So if you've got friends or family who've been on the fence, let them know, and let them know to use uh, promo code DREW, D-R-E-W. Of course, you can use promo code LIONS as well if he's your guy, L-Y-O-N-S. Just help out the Rockies family. It's been tough having the, the Broncos, Nuggets, and Avalanche kind of kick our butts in this competition so far. Uh, we haven't been doing so great. We're hanging in there, but I got to say, they're, they're, they're really, really taking it to us, and I, I'd like to at least get into the fight, get a good showing, not finish in dead last. I know the Rockies had a bad year. Uh, it, it's been a, a tough season for everybody, but I know you guys uh, really appreciate the work that we do, and, and I really appreciate you listening in, and I, I just hope that that can be reflected somehow in uh, the numbers because, uh, well, <laughs> it, right now it isn't. And unfortunately, they'll all get to say, see, Broncos fans are better. Avs fans are better. Nugs fans are better. They're more passionate. They stick with their teams. I mean, Broncos are having a real bad season too, and they're still picking up subscriptions. I know it's football, but it's brutal, man. So let's, you know, jump in there if you can. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you use one of those promo codes. Of course, we could also get a year supply of Breckenridge Brew. And don't you want to hear what this podcast looks like when I've got access to pretty constant and regular Breckenridge Brew? I think you do. I think you want to see, see, hear probably the the spiciness that would ensue. So beyond that, I can only thank you all for continuing to listen following us on all the social media at DNVR underscore Rockies, at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using. As I just asked, please subscribe to thednvr.com. 
and just continue to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Hey guys, I was just sitting here talking to Lindsay about Total Bev's new app. It's incredible. You can shop 5,000 different wines, 2,000 beers, 3,500 spirits, anytime, anywhere. Better yet, you can have Total Beverage shop for you and pick it up inside prepaid and waiting for you. Wait a second, that is so cool. So can I still get it delivered if I use the app? Absolutely, I know you guys have heard of their delivery service. Total Beverage will deliver to your house within 90 minutes or less. We can even save you 10 bucks on a purchase of 50. Use promo code TOTALLY10 at checkout. What's also amazing, BSN fam, if you can't find an item you want, Total Bev will give you suggestions of similar items on the shelf, or you can request a special item right from your phone. It really doesn't get much better than that. Remember, use promo code TOTALLY10 at checkout to save. That's T-O-T-A-L-L-Y 10.